Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of a new podcast called Life on the Skids, um, featuring me, Mary Margaret, and um, my business partner and life partner, (laughs) slash soulmate, slash friend. Um, We haven't defined it as, um, well, anything sexual. No, it's not romantic. No, no, but um, we have discovered that we are soulmates um, in a non-sexual sense. Although, anyway, introduce yourself. Hey, hey, y'all. Um, I'm Meredith, and Mary Margaret and I have been friends for, God, like, how many years now? 14? 14 years. Wow. We are writers, and we are both single moms. We are mm-hmm. both divorcees. We are both Southern women. Um. And we have a business together. We do advertising. We are storytellers for other businesses and brands and mostly men. And <laughs> Politics. We've told oh, stories yeah. for politicians. Um, and a long time ago, we started a screenplay based on Life on the Skids. Uh, that's the title of this podcast. And it was about Southern women and our really eclectic group of friends that... Um, we're struggling with love and, you know, motherhood and addiction and yeah, it was an episodic, well, it started out as a, as a screenplay and then became kind of an episodic, um, television or, you know, streaming show. And, um, we're also filmmakers. Uh, that's kind of our passion. Um, come, we come by it through writing I guess. Uh, and um, hence the name Life on the Skids, which is a play on, you know, kids, skids. Sometimes we feel like we are definitely on the skids, highs and lows. I'm definitely living life on the skids, <laughs> safe to say. You know, we pitched it to a ton of people, some celebrities even, which is really cool. Um, and it never had a home. And so we decided we were going to rebirth it here. And instead of using characters to talk about these hilarious life experiences, we're like, let's just be authentic and pick up where we are and tell people about our story and have some of our friends on as guests and see if anybody likes it. Yeah, definitely. So what we'll do today with our inaugural episode is we're going to give you a little bit of backstory about our crazy lives and how we came to find each other in this world, in this uh, incarnation, and um, and then maybe give you some juicy details about um, the the crazy things that adventures that we've had, situations we've somehow gotten ourselves into, um, and the cast of characters that are real in our life. <laughs> some people don't believe it. But I assure you, they are real. One of the interesting things about Mary Margaret and I um, is that before we teamed up to start, you know, a business together and be writing partners and do film and all of that, um, our lives mirrored each other. And when we met each other for the first time, we realized how, you know, insane it was to, you know, come into contact with someone that you've never met before and they share all, almost all of your same life experiences. Right. Yeah. And that, I think that was the thing that really like our well, aha moment. Definitely. Right? But you have to, you have to tell the story of how it happened. Okay. 
So I was, I got pregnant when I was 24. Um, I had no business getting pregnant when I was 24. However, uh, I did and I was not married and I was dating a much older, wealthy gentleman. When you say much older, oh God. you gotta, you gotta. <laughs> okay. He was like, um, <clears throat> 48. <laughs> um, he was a lot older. And, um, obviously it was not planned, but anywho, I got pregnant. We weren't together. I had my daughter who's amazing, sweet little miracle. We might bring the girls on at some point. Yeah. Um, and I decided I had to move back in with my parents, even though I'd had a great job and I lived in this great little house at the beach, but my whole life imploded when I chose to have a child and I moved in with my parents Real, real depressed. <laughs> um, I'm just, I mean, number one, I lost my job. Number two, I went from being like, you know, 24, very fit, attractive. We lived down a, in a beach town. We both grew up mm-hmm. in a beach town um, where you wear your bikini every day and you're out on the boat with all the crazies. Mm-hmm. So. Living your best life. Right. But I decided to go ahead and uh, gain 82 pounds with uh, my pregnancy. So I had, you know, come in at a nice 202 pounds <laughs> when I delivered. Which is almost impossible to imagine if you could see her, your tiny it's little frame. Brutal. Anywho, so anyway, we had, a lot, we had a lot going on. I lost my life, my friends, my job, my body. Um, live with my parents. Life was pretty much over. So I have this baby and she's amazing. Sweet. And I go to meet a girlfriend at lunch and I look over and I see this woman. And, you know, it's funny cause I'm reading, um, Glennon. Oh, what's her last name? Doyle. Yep. Uh, the book untamed. And she said in the book, uh, this is about her now wife that she heard the voice say, you know, there she is. And my voice said that too. Not not in LA. I knew you were gonna be my lover way. But I heard a voice say, You have got to go and meet that woman. Like mm. this woman matters. Go get up now. And I felt really weird doing it, but I was like, okay. And I noticed that she also had had a had a baby that looked right around the same age as mine. And she was with her mom and um and, and she looks, you know, attractive and normal and around my age, and she's got <laughs> A juicy couture little oh baby bag. This is going to date us. Yeah, that was back when it was cool. Um, so I walk over and I'm like, "Hi," and I'm like, "Not to be a weirdo." What did I oh, say? No, you said I can't remember. I feel like you introduced yourself and you gave me your real estate mm. business card, and you asked if you ever want to walk the loop. Which oh, God. I was, I had left. I I grew up here in this in this small beach town that we both live in now. Um, and I left and sowed my wild oats and came back. Um, kind of similar to what, what happened with Meredith. I moved back. I got, I stumbled and somehow became pregnant as well, unmarried, um, living in Los Angeles. And I knew that I could not raise a child in Los Angeles by myself. So I moved back to our tiny little beach town on the coast of the East, on the East Coast, and um, was having lunch with my mom with my three-week-old baby. I believe your your little one was uh, like six weeks old, right? That's right. Yep. And Meredith comes trotting up, and 
and introduces herself and then hands me her business card and asks if I want to walk the loop, which is a kind of a, a slang in our area for this big three mile loop around the beach. And um, I had no idea what she was talking about, but oh. I was like, sure. And I mean, and then I remember asking you out of nowhere, which is very inappropriate. Oh, like, yeah. Are you a single mom? Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. you. And I mean, I wasn't wearing a ring, but I don't feel like that that was readily apparent. Maybe you you did a little recon work. Yeah, I felt like I knew. I yeah. just knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. And I will say it felt weird. It felt like a, a because I, we had the same diaper bag. We had the same um, stroller. stroller. We had similar, you know, I was with my mom. You were with one of our other friends, Anna. And I mean, this was what, 14 years ago, right? 13, it'll be, the girls are going to be turning 14 in August and September. So, um, it was faded. faded. And you say it was a, it was almost a psychic feeling. Definitely. That's when why you're... I was taking it back to Glennon Doyle's book because it was the same feeling, although not a romantic, this is my partner, but it was like, I knew we, we needed to speak and meet and, and we did. And the first mm-hmm. time we hung out, we set up stations with the girls. Remember that? <laughs> But they were like miserable, so they just like <laughs> cried, and we just like breastfed a lot, and we're just like, oh my god! At your parents' house. It was awful. Oh man, but it such a low. Yeah, man. that was that was tough because I was living with my parents in a tiny little house in like, God, in a really lower, lower middle class <laughs> neighborhood, <laughs> and I think we both felt like we had really fallen. From Grace, and we did. I mean, we you were in LA, and I had been like, you know, you were making right out of college, making good money, money, awesome job, bam. But we found each other, and so then we get the amazing idea to move into a beach house together with the babies, right? And that was where life really took a turn. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for the better. (laughs) Um, I mean, when I think back on it now. That was probably one of the most magical times. The cr- very crazy, mm-hmm. but to how many women do you know that would have the balls to do something like that? But I mean, I bet a lot of them would. Like even the ones that are married, if they could. They could yeah. move in with their friend and like raise their kids, their babies together. I feel like we te- were better teammates than. I mean, you've been married oh, yeah. a few times. Mm-hmm. I've been married a few times. And I can say that I think, I mean, our partnership with those children was better than any I've ever experienced with with a man. Yeah. I shouldn't, should I say that? We're just getting some fights that we live together. I mean, let's like not sugarcoat it. Of course. For the kids. Um, And that was, that was kind of crazy, but you know, we made it through that and that was when we started um, writing together, mm-hmm. and we um, purchased our first uh, screenplay software. Well, that's the software. other thing. We realized that we were both writers. <sighs> right. Yeah. That, that was another big thing. We had. We were both in real estate. Yep. We both yeah. came from super crazy Christian families. Yeah. Like ha- snake handling, tongue talking. Oh, dude. Slaying the spirit shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we Mom, were- Dad, if you ever hear this, love you guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it was just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the overlap, like you said, was insane. And, and it, it was pretty obvious to us that 
the universe orchestrated our coming together, especially the way that we, you know, my story with how I got pregnant is a little bit different than yours. But I mean, it was my first child. I'd never been pregnant. I was 29, 30 when I got pregnant, um, but I wasn't married. So, you know, I wasn't married. And there is definitely, I mean, I know that we're in 2020 now and, you know, there's really no stigma attached to that in most places of the world. But I would say even 14, 15 years ago in the South where we live, mm-hmm. I mean, it felt really different to me, especially coming from my background with, you know, the really Christian parents mm-hmm. and, you know, it, I've definitely felt a level of shame. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the shame. I, I think I was still, you know, coming. I think at that point we were both still wrestling with Christianity and wrestling with the, I don't think I felt as much shame. I wasn't identified as much with the shame of being pregnant out of wedlock. When I'm thinking back about it, I think I was more ashamed of doing it alone with my parents. Like my mom and dad. Of course not. Well, yeah. I I I feel like my mom and dad were way more involved than your mother and father. I used to hold the baby and pace in front of the window (laughs) for my mom to get home from work. And when I would see the dust from her car go down the gravel road, my heart would leap with joy. So I I don't know. I think, and then my mom would like, I mean, she was, this is the wine that's getting poured. She would, I mean, she was there for everything. She was the partner for. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. No, I guess you're right. I I just, I'm trying to think back to how, well, I, I mean, I was, I was miserable, not, you know, to bring it back, not having a man. Yeah. Not being, and, and that is another kind of unique thing that you and I shared is most women who go through being a single mom don't do it from conception. Right. Right. Like I know that you were kind of back and forth with your daughter's dad, um, for, for a while, but you guys were never really, together no I mean right. it, it had been I remember I was so pregnant and that was when I was in like the 200s right and I hadn't seen him for months zero contact mm. and it's from like I mean I don't know maybe five or six months along until right it was like the day before I ended up having her right. and I bumped into him at the post office oh my god and it was like the weirdest feeling to see your baby daddy you're carrying this child and you see him at the post office. Almost like a strange, I mean, he wasn't a stranger, but. Yeah. And he was like, he just looked at it. He's like, you doing okay? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, what do you think? What the fuck kind of world are we living in? Where I'm bumping into baby daddy at the post office and like. And then oh, the second thing he said was, if you need any money, I can leave you some under the pillow. Oh. Yeah. My God, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard. Yeah. Under was, what pillow? I guess his pillow. Sure, when the one at my parents' house. I mean. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, um, actually, I think I'm going to have the baby tomorrow. This is how we ended up That speaking. was the conversation in the post office. Yes. Wow. Yes. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, um, you know, they've done some um, uh, ultrasounds yes. yeah. and. 
Um, she's really, really large and she, you know, they want to, you know, go ahead and, and take me in and, and do a C-section. And he was just like, okay. Oh my God. Wow. It was... Yeah. And I did birthing classes with my mother. Oh yeah. And a bunch of couples. Oh, that is embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was a different, I mean, I've yet, I don't know that I've really met any other woman who's had that experience now that I think about it, that has been alone from the get go. The get-go. Well, have you? Why is that? There's that girl that's friends with, um, somebody we're friends with uh-huh. and um i think she has like a couple of kids alone or the people i mean i guess there's a lot of women that do it in to, vitro in, yeah, in yeah vitro that's and true sperm donors and right else. right but right. you're right i mean i don't personally know any yeah i'm sure there's tons of women out there yeah that know exactly what we're talking about i mean it's kind of like we heard about christy's friend the other day mm-hmm. um we have a friend that we had drinks with and she was saying that she chose to be a single mom and she's done it the whole time but right. i think the difference is you have the expectation you really want a child you choose it you're right. pumped you know you're getting exactly. into yeah. totally different from... You're prepared in some way. I mean, you're never prepared, prepared for a kid, but you know that you're going into it. You know you want it. You know there's not going to be a dude there as mm-hmm. opposed to like having an accident with someone you don't know that well or you're not married to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. And then choosing or not... I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a choice mm-hmm. for either of us to be alone. No. Um, oh, God, no. But, but then struggling... But the cool thing was is that the universe in all of its beauty and wonderfulness brought us together so that we could kind of work through a lot of these crazy emotions together and date. I mean, we lived together at the beach. I saw you go through some unbelievably horrific things. You saw me go through some unbelievably horrific things Mm -hmm. and we dated people. With, ba- I mean, with our babies, we while breastfeeding. <laughs> Ever tried dating while breastfeeding? Oh my god, that that is takes tricky it to a whole new level. Oh my god, I'm remembering, man, making out and hoping that your milk doesn't let down. Yeah. And I remember you running away from that. We were on. Uh, <laughs> she was on a date, but I happened to be with her. This sort of this big party we have here and. She looked at her date. She's like, I have to go home. And he was like, no, don't go. Don't go. We're having so much fun. She's like, I have to breastfeed. <laughs> I mean, how can you even argue with that, right? I, I think God, his face. I can still he see it in my mind. turned white. Bless his heart. Oh, God. It still wasn't enough to stop him. <laughs> no, it was White to the men out there who aren't afraid of dating the breastfeeding single moms. I mean. Wherever you are, we salute you. Yes. Yes. They definitely either are extremely compassionate or have some weird fetishes. So yeah, been with that one too. Anywho. Um, but anyway, I think what, what we really wanted to bring it back to and, and the common thread, like you said, was how a lot of our lives up until now have really been defined by our relationships with men. Right. And either our relationships with men or the lack thereof in a lot of ways, because you and I both have struggled with commitment and finding healthy partners, being healthy partners, and worked through a lot of 
pretty dark. Uh, what do you want to say? Uh, I mean, it's the shadow work. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the we've been trying to work through, you know, finding our divine feminine and the you know presence of a toxic masculinity yeah. that we keep attracting. And when when we met, we defined ourselves as being single moms, and we tell everybody all the time. People thought it was so interesting too. And right. they made us, they'd be like, oh, these two single mom writers are living together. Yeah. Um, so that was, we defined ourselves as the absence of men. Mm-hmm. And then you went and got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you became a wife and you settled down and you were defined with your partnership. And then I did all these really <laughs> crazy things. <laughs> you got married. Got married, but only for like six weeks. <laughs> Such a bad idea. <laughs> And on top of that, I didn't have sex until I got married. She wanted to wait because we, we we both had some highs and lows with struggling with our, you know, religion, our family of origin, cultural yeah. religion, and trying to break free from from those um, that dogma, and and it was tough. And you were born again virgin for a little while, born again virgin and single so- mom. <laughs> But nobody ever puts that in their eHarmony <laughs> profile. How often do you think you see that? Oh man. Uh, yep. Yeah. That was that. that was interesting. So word to the wise, if um Ooh. I well, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say don't have sex before you get married. But you you would say that probably. <laughs> I would no, I think it's perfect for people if neither person has ever had any sort of sexual relations and they're on the same page and they're in the same faith or whatever. But if you have, like if you've hoed it out for 10 years, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a magic formula. Let's put it that way. Right. Whereas you, you kind of had this idea that if you waited to have sex and you, your marriage would be blessed. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And no, that did not actually happen. (laughs) So then I did that. And then I got divorced after my micro marriage. Hey, I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we were defined as divorcees, Mm -hmm. right? Or, um, and then it's like, I feel like, and then we've had other partnerships and, you know, I got married again and had another child and Mary Margaret had a child with with her husband. And then, you know. So we got to experience what it's like. To have kind a child. Of. Well, yeah, you kind of. I I did a little bit more than you. I mean, at least they were there for the birth. Right. And somewhat supportive, you know. I mean, I think my my husband was way more supportive than yours. I would agree with um, that. And, but we had a little taste. Of, of what a family lo- would look like. Right. And. For the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Oh. Uh, my marriage broke down pretty quickly uh, when I was pregnant. I yeah. I'd say. So by the time that I had her, I'd say things were on the skids. Yeah. Another, uh, another life on the skids moment. <laughs> and, it, you know, ironically, we um, ended up, me and both of my daughters at this point, I think we got separated when the littlest one was like 10 months old. So mm-hmm. then yet again, I was raising a small baby. Alone, yeah. Yeah. And before that, I mean, we were living in different houses. Right. I mean, it was an outhouse, and just there's just more of the same, and a lack of partnership, really. Right. Yeah. But I wonder how much of that I 
keep manifesting. I mean, that's the whole thing about trying to understand how we define ourselves with men, but also what roles are we playing right. in the relationships that we are summoning into yes. our lives. Yeah. Which is something, you know, up until maybe really for me, two or three years ago was a very foreign concept. You know, the the whole the whole, you know, status quo is you blame the other person. You I, why am I continuing to attract toxic people? Why am I continuing to attract unavailable men in quotes? Mm-hmm. And I think what you and I are really beginning to understand and trying to shift our paradigm is it's not about them. It's about us. It's always been about us. Yeah. And in it, if you continue to blame and place blame on somebody else, you're going to continue to manifest that same pattern of, of relationship. And, you know, my marriage also broke down after 10 years and it, it, you know, my ex is a very kind, patient, wonderful father. And, you know, he adopted my first child, my little girl, when she was two and a half years old. So, you know, he, it's not that he's a toxic person, but I, I think I realized that, I had a whole hell of a lot of work to do, as did he. And I chose, we chose to separate and part ways. And that's kind of when my growth really started to skyrocket. And we we both have kind of been mirroring each other in that, as well as we started a business together. You know, um, several businesses we've started together. We're on our third. Yeah. But the common denominator is our partnership. You know, we, and you know, yeah, it's like, the, ironic. isn't that weird? It's like we have all this focus on partnership and how we define ourselves um, with the validation of the male gaze. And yet the one thing that's really consistent is ours. Yeah. Hmm. I know. That's your fault. <laughs> I mean, the past, even the past few weeks, it's like every time I go through a breakup or meet someone new or divorce or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I have these aha moments, but um, I would say the past couple weeks of growth has almost trumped like the past four years. Yeah, I know. I I, exponential. Right. And it could be a lot of the time that we're living in. I think a lot of people are experiencing some, you know, as a planet, we're kind of having to face our shadow as a collective, but and it's a bit of an incubator. Yeah. The whole quarantine. Being isolated and really having to sit in your own, shit for lack of a better word and and feel your feelings there's nowhere to run to there's no you know i mean even dating as we're both single now mm-hmm. for lack i mean pretty much um you can't really date no you can't really not that i want to no either. i mean i i hear you on that me me too but um I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, it definitely is interesting time. It's interesting to think about how quick growth has been happening or how, yeah, it's like a, it's like it's been condensed in this weird way. Time is, is really starting to change somehow. But that is the shift. I mean, that's the thing. That's the reason we're doing the podcast, right? Yeah. So 
you know, we've had all these years of being friends, all these things we've tried, mm-hmm. all these partnerships we've been in and out of mm-hmm. with men and all these times we've fallen in and out of love and we just wax poetic all the time about quantum physics and spirituality and relationships and how do they all combine. Mm-hmm. But yet this is like the first time where I'm starting to really want to define myself without a man mm-hmm. and not defined as the absence of man Mm -hmm. but to stand alone and it's neither the absence or the condition of having right neither right like I want to create and empower and be authentic for for me right like we were saying rather than being a single mom just being a mom Mm -hmm. I'm a parent I'm a mom and not not necessarily always having to put that modifier on it. Right. That, like I'm a female business owner, but I'm not a single female business right, owner. Right. Although that is true. But yeah. But it's it's not just about how do you define yourself. It's also about how do you feel. Right. The, do you the feel actual, okay. Right. The actual alone. paradigm that you are sitting in is and that's a for me, that's a hard, tough shift. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been crying my eyes out. <laughs> Where's my family? I just want a family. Somebody to love me. You know, it's like we have, I have like this image in my head of like my, you know, ex boyfriend, fiance throwing my seven year old up and catching her in the water and like us, like, you know, coming home and cooking, cooking together yeah. and mm-hmm. him tucking her in and like, yeah, it's fucking hard to let go of that. Fucking hard as shit. But that being said, like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life sitting around and focusing on lack. So by defining yourself by whether you have a partner or whether you don't, how do you think that's going to change the way you live your life? Like what you were saying is I am now going to just be me. It's I'm not going to be defined by, um, you know, Meredith and a partner or Meredith without a partner, mm-hmm. how, how is that going to change the way you operate? How is that going to change the way you move in the world? Well, I'm hoping, I mean, like shit, I don't know. It's kind of my first foray into this, but I'm hoping that if I can see myself as complete with where I am exactly now, that I will find peace mm-hmm. that I will be able to plug better into my purpose and passion in life Mm -hmm. and, and move in that frequency, Mm -hmm. um, that I will be more present, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to missing someone or thinking Mm. about something that isn't around that, that I can just, and, and that I'll just like start to be on, you know, a spiritual path that, you know, is about, me falling in love with who I am. Right. And like we were talking about before, being the partner mm-hmm. you want to attract. Right. Like I want to be the man my parents hoped I would marry. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm on the same page. I think even more than you have, as I really al- have allowed that, that search for, um, a healthy relationship, a healthy partnership, that search for a deep spiritual connection lead me and, and really, I don't want to say distract me, but it did, you know, there were years where, you know, 
especially in the past few years where, like you said, (laughs) with our business and everything is I just shut down, kind of checked out, shut down, became this um, a shadow of myself um, because I was so, I was working through so much past pain and, and toxicity and, and past patterns and was so unhappy and upset with how, I don't want to say how I failed, but, but how I, I just never could really find what I was looking for. Um, and, and what you're saying is stop looking for it. You are it. Exactly. Like I need to be it. And it's not even a stop looking for it so it can find you. Fuck that. Stop looking for it. Yeah. It's not so, so blank. Right. And it takes so much energy also Mm -hmm. to, um, to find a relationship, to nurture a relationship, especially if it's not a healthy one, right? right? Like probably takes no energy if you're in your right divine way, but I haven't been there, so I can't speak to that. (laughs) You're right. Like I was thinking about, you know, I was talking to somebody else who grew up with a single mom and the single mom was like sort of not present, not really there, which I have experienced in my life. And we've got a lot of friends who we see in that place. And the reason is because in the, you know, the, pyramid of needs Mm -hmm. that basic one of love security food water shelter isn't being met right and so a lot of single moms when they get divorced whatever they pour all their energy into trying to find that in a man that security the love the trust the food shelter everything Mm -hmm. else and they don't have it to put into their kids right because if that first block isn't met you can't get toward you know all Mm -hmm. the other stuff like Mm -hmm. self-actualization and all that other and I know I've done that in the past mm. where I have been more impacted and more concerned with my relationship than I have, you know, being super present with my kids, right. checking in with them, like caring about my own career. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been a lot of things that have really come secondary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't want to ever do that again. Yeah, I know. I that's a really dark place. I mean, because you can see reflected back in your children's eyes, their need, their lack, you know, and you're, and then you're repeating a lot of the same trauma that we grew up with. You know, I mean, it was very different because ironically, both of our parents are still together. You know, Mm -hmm. we did not come from, we are not children of divorce. And we both have been through several divorces, you know, and um, so it's like, where do we, we have to stop the, stop it, stop the trauma, stop the patterns for our children. Well, I mean, that's what it is. It's about trauma, embedded trauma. It's about generational trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might not be divorce, but I believe that our DNA, just like we carry traits of our eye color or mm-hmm. our emotional capacities or our gifts, uh, we, we carry the traits of trauma mm-hmm. and we pull those down and and then we create new ones for mm-hmm. ourselves and our children. And yeah, if, if we don't stop it here, if we don't heal it, that's why they say, if you change yourself, you change the world. Right. I mean, it makes so much sense to me yeah. because it's not that <clears throat> if you change yourself, then 500,000 people have a revelation at the same time, but right. it's that you change the generations after you. Right. If you heal yourself, 
if you can figure out how to not be toxic or angry or whatever else mm-hmm. it is, and you don't put that burden on your children, your children's children will benefit. Right. Your children's children's children right. will benefit. Everyone that you come into contact with yeah. will start to have a different experience with you, with love, with life. If you can just be healthy. Right. Right. Doing the internal work and breaking the generational curse. I mean, not to take it back to biblical language, but I always love to take it back there. That's where we grew up. (laughs) Right. Oh man. Well, I think we've first, first episode. I feel like we laid some groundwork. We we totally did a foundation. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it, and you'll, somebody listen. I know. I mean, I you know, I think I think we 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 might strike a chord with with an audience. We're building it. So tell your friends if you did like this podcast, Life on the Skids. Look for us and all the awesome podcast platforms, and um, we'll uh, holler at you again. Mm-hmm. Bye, y'all. Bye.